Welcome to the Misfit Messengers podcast, hosted by Jenny Moffitt and Amanda Hoshite. All right. Well, here we are on another uh, another podcast, Amanda. Uh, this still is, going. We, still going. Still going strong. I, you <laughs> know what? I love, because we have been talking now for over an hour. Hour we and a half? Or... Just yeah. About, well, you were a little late. You had stuff to do, remember? I mean, that, that checks. Yeah, that <laughs> totally checks. But, uh, I mean, I we could not record and still I'd want to do this every week, right? Like, mm-hmm. so the recording is just like the the icing on the cake that is our conversation. So anyway, um, welcome to another episode. Those who are listening, uh, if this is your first episode, uh, we are called the Misfit Messengers, which you've already heard in the introduction. But uh, we're just two people trying to give glory to God and what we do and how we live our lives. And uh, this this uh, season has been, we started in the book of Jude, which was super cool. Took us a lot more weeks than I thought it would. Uh, but there's some depth to yeah. Jude that you wouldn't expect in just 25 verses. But then then we had a couple uh, couple episodes with a guest, a couple guests on, which was super cool. And now, uh, you know, we we're going to talk about a thing. But then something happened last week in the world mm-hmm. uh, that we think is pretty cool. And I think you guys, if you know about it, would probably agree and we're we were talking about the asbury uh university revival that has been going on since last week i think it's still going on as of the so i just is it i just checked yeah and yesterday they hit so yeah so yesterday was the 14th valentine's day they hit a hundred hours 100 hours okay so as far as i know they're still going yeah which would now be a week so because it started on a Wednesday, the, their Wednesday night regular Wednesday, Wednesday night mor- morning, Wednesday morning chapel. A Wednesday morning chapel. It started and it hasn't kept going. Stopped. Yeah, hasn't. Stopped. Yeah. So they hit a hundred hours yesterday. Yeah. I don't. I'm as far as I know still. Yeah. Well, that's that's cool. I will say, lots of people have been talking about it on the internet. Lots of people, you know, social media. Uh, it's been kind of you know spread to other campuses, spread to other churches, which is awesome. But mm-hmm. kind of t- we were talking about what is the what is revival, this idea of of being revived. And it it's such an incredible gift that the Holy Spirit can bring to kind of wake those up who are asleep or or wake yeah. those up who are dead um spiritually and kind of give them that revivingness, right? That that um renewal of energy renewal of spirit renewal of of faith maybe even um, yeah the, um, the oxford defines a revival as in, in the improvement of the sorry an improvement in the condition or strength of something okay so taking something that was still there still present but maybe weakened okay um and giving it renewed strength all right i like that like so. yeah good definition so i you know i think revival can come anywhere right it doesn't have to be like you have to go to asbury and like catch it right like it's some (laughs) sort of like virus or um or something but no i mean just the if our hearts are yielded to the lord now the lord works in mysterious ways and the holy spirit will do what the holy spirit wants to do right and so mm-hmm. revival looks differently sometimes for different people. In the case of Asbury, it's a it's a it's a community revival, right? It's not just 
it it is individuals, but it's also a community revival. And so you mm-hmm. have, you know, this this ongoing nonstop worship, uh, prayers, praises, scripture readings, testimonies, that sort of thing, which is just incredible to see the work of the Lord, especially given the fact that we live in such a time of just up upheaval and disorder and chaos in the world like generally i you know watch the news the other day and these these shooting down of chinese balloons is just <laughs> crazy to me uh and yet that's the world in which we live or the earthquakes in turkey and syria in fact uh-huh. interesting story a friend of mine works at a tent company locally and they they had the american consulate in turkey reach out to get tents from them to provide temporary shelter for those who have been impacted by the, by the thing. Now they're not sure they're going to be able to fulfill the entire order because it's a huge order, but he's, he's the shipping guy. So he has to net negotiate like getting the, the tents shipped over there on a container boat, like just crazy. So, but, um, and that tells you how small the world is, right? Like how, (laughs) some random local Wisconsin temp co- tent company, you know, making tents for Turkey, you know, just, yeah. Wow. Or I've heard some stories from the revival at Asbury that have gone overseas. You know, people find out about it because again, social media, internet, yeah. you read, you can reach far distances geographically and, and God of course is everywhere and can do his thing in human hearts wherever um, there are human hearts, but <laughs> Yeah, I read up. I was reading an article from the from the 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 chaplain or the the chaplain, the guy who was, I guess, kind of the head of um, Asbury's campus spiritual life, I guess. Okay. And um, and he said his 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 big thing right now is he's really careful not to be the one speaking. Yeah. You know, he said my job here is to just. Um, what did he say? He said, um, I am, my job is to come alongside and help the Holy Spirit to make sure people don't like pass out or, you know, they, I'm, I'm ordering pizzas and stuff, <laughs> you know, and, and, and water and, uh, and just trying to get out of the Holy Spirit's way as much as possible. And it made me think of, of, I think that's a big part of it is that change of shift. Sometimes we look at God or the Holy Spirit as coming alongside us strengthen us or help us in what we're doing or whatever but he said the holy spirit's doing the thing i'm just trying to keep up i'm trying to stay out of the way i'm trying to not quench it i'm trying to you know and that kind of attitude i think is a big part of you know when we humble ourselves and we turn to god and we confess and a large thing out of this asbury thing is through confession in love with one another i think is a big is a big part of it reconciliation and and confession of of sin and really saying i i am dealing with this thing help me brothers and sisters yeah and we're like oh well i'm dealing with the thing too or i'm dealing with this thing you know and that kind of thing and you know there's no there's no preachers up there's just prayer and repentance yeah and worship cool <laughs> and i think the the christians who are maybe struggling with it are those who who put boundaries on the holy spirit like no holy mm-hmm. spirit you can't do it that way and right. and for the for that gentleman to say look i i'm just trying to stay adjacent to the holy spirit like 
<laughs> what can I come alongside him and do as opposed to yeah. I'm going to get in his way and tell him, well, oh, no, 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 this isn't, sh- this isn't how you should do it. And that's a, a fantastic segue into, uh-huh. we wanted to talk about that a little bit. And I think it correlates to the ne- the next kind of thing we wanted to tackle in this podcast, which is Luke chapter 15. And in, in the very opening verses of Luke 15, uh, you have the, the Pharisees kind of getting grumpy at Jesus about how he's doing his ministry and, and revival can be that way too, for some Christians who are like, no, 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 this can't be it. Cause, cause God doesn't work like that. Well, God can work however God wants to work. He's God. You're yeah. not, uh, <laughs> is my adage. And, uh, you know, I think back to, um, in acts where, uh, Peter comes across these guys who have been baptized with the Holy ghost and some of the other folks, well, they're not, they're not circumcised. And Peter says, well, God does a thing. I guess it can't, I mean, it's God doing a thing. So the paraphrase is mine and it's horrible, but you get the point. Like mm-hmm. Peter says, I can't, if, if God has deemed that this is how it's going to work mm-hmm. and argue with God right? Mm-hmm. God's going to bless them with salvation, bless them with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I can't, I can't deny that. I can't say anything against it. And so, you know, if we think of Luke 15, this is how it starts. The first two verses. Now the tax collectors and sinners were all gathering around to hear him. Him is Jesus. This man, oh, sorry, but the Pharisees and the t- teachers of the law muttered, this man welcomes sinners and eats with them. And so here you have, this is the, this is the background. People miss this when they go to Luke 15. Uh, For those of you who don't know, Luke chapter 15 is the, is the parable of the lost things. Like, so you have three parables, the lost sheep, the lost coin, and the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. I'm going to, we're going to talk over the next several episodes about why I think that's a poor name for it. uh, Cause both sons are lost. It's the, the fact is both sons are lost, but the, but the context, like what is happening around why Jesus shares this story is that the Pharisees are getting cranky that Jesus deans like lowers himself to eat with those sinners and tax collectors. How dare you? Yeah, sometimes I'm always wondering, I'm like, so like part of me thinks like, are they jealous? Like, <laughs> do you know? What, I mean, like, because they're because they didn't get invited to that party, <laughs> or or that these people are hearing the words of God and are having a response to it, which is supposed to be what they do, yeah. right? But he's like, but we don't want those those folks. And actually, maybe a little off topic, but it reminds me of the founding of the Salvation Army. The Salvation yeah. Army, when it started, was not its own church. They, um, the, you know, the Salvationists would go out and help people get sober and restore relationships, and then they'd bring them to churches in the area for community, and it just didn't fit because some of the people there were like, uh, what are we going to do with these, you know? Right. <laughs> and so he's like, well, fine. If you don't want them, we'll do our own thing, you know? Yeah. Yep. It kind of reminds me of that a little bit, but yeah, these, these, they're saying that's, you know, that's not how we do it here. That's not these texts, these, they're, they're complaining. I want to just want to know what that sounded like. Like what, it, 
Like, this guy thinks he's better than us. Look who he's hanging out with. This guy thinks he's from God. I don't know. Thinks he's from God. Doesn't he know who he's hanging out with? Like, doesn't he know that those people are not godly people? Not Those guys are not holy people. Those guys. Yeah. Yeah. That's not the ones we're supposed to be going after. Right. And, you know, and a part of a Pharisee's job was to figure out. Um, you know, they're they're supposed to be collecting their Talmud or whatever. They're supposed to be collecting the best of the best. That's part of their job is to look through and separate wheat from chaff, or so to speak, in their minds about who is worthy to go deep with God and who isn't. Yeah. Like to pick their, their disciples, as it were. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because, you know, the, the rabbis would go and they would uh, with the young boys that are there all studying. They would go and they'd you know, draft pick them for, for to be in their Talmud and learn from them. And Jesus is like, ah, well, I'm just choosing the people at the table, you know, at the table, right. This is, and he had his 12, but he's choosing the rejects. The ones people didn't. Right. Because God looks at things that, that are different, right. I think back to the book of Samuel, right. And, and God tells Samuel when he goes to, uh, uh, David's house, uh, Jesse's house, actually not David's house. He was the youngest son, but goes to, to Jesse's house. And he's like, Oh, it's going to be the new King after King Saul, the new King's going to be from the house of Jesse. And the first couple sons go by and they're big tongues, tall, strong sons. And, and God tells Samuel, Nope, Nope, not one of these. And, and Sam is like, uh, okay. And do you have any more sons? And so they parade like seven sons. Mm-hmm. in front of Samuel and God says, Nope, none of those. And Samuel's like, dude, what the heck? And God says, okay, this, again, paraphrase is mine, but God says, uh, Hey, I don't look at the outward appearances. I look at the heart. I look at the inside. I look at things that you don't see that you don't um, necessarily gravitate to think about. And then, you know, Samuel says, well, do you have another son? And they're like, just the youngest one, he's out yeah. tending the sheep. Like he's supposed to as the youngest son. Well, we'll wait here until you go get him. So they go get David. And sure enough, that's the that's the next king. Oh. And God works amongst people that are often the overlooked. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one thing we were talking beforehand, and I'm gonna bring it up now, but there are there are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven mm. as far as people go. So good. Making a t-shirt. <laughs> there, there are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven. Because, because okay, let's think about the sheep, the lost sheep. Okay, there's a hundred sheep. One finds themselves away from the pack, right? Wanders off. The shepherd leaves the 99 to go look for the sheep. Now, it was the Pharisee's job, if he's attacking the Pharisees, like, you are that shepherd and you wouldn't go get him. Like, you would mm-hmm. think that you would say that the one sheep is an acceptable loss because I have, I have still 99. Like I'm ex- it's acceptable mm-hmm. to write off the tax collector because we have the flock over here. It's acceptable to write off the sinner because, mm-hmm. well, because the rest of us are good. Right. Right. Where Jesus says that there are no acceptable losses. I'll leave the 99, go find the one because there's no acceptable losses. Hmm. Does that make sense? Oh yes. Oh yes. Absolutely. Um. Yeah. And and sometimes we we do write people off. Oh, I don't. You know, 
I'm doing okay over here or all that. I don't know. I don't know why we do that. But we do sometimes. So they'll never get it together or their sin's too deep or they're too weird or their ideas are too weird or whatever. Or, and they leave. And sometimes people, myself included, I've sighed relief sometimes when people have walked away. Yeah. To, to my sh to shame like that's a shameful thing to think well and i think too um you know there's a difference between like separation because they're abusing you or they're mm. hurting you in some fashion or they're causing mischief i mean we just finished jude right where he says look you got to be careful about those folks but but this is different this is saying no one is beyond the reach of god mm. And while we might, because of our circumstances, I think of, okay, so I just, uh, just had a Bible study, uh, this last, this past week, shout out to the, to the remnant ladies, but, um, we studied Monica, St. Monica, who most people probably won't have a clue who that is. It is the mother of St. Augustine or St. Augustine. And so she lived around in you know, the 300s and she was a faithful Christian and her son, Augustine, grows up and he is just an unpleasant child. He was just <laughs> wild and a womanizer and just did all sorts. I mean, if you read his confessions, he becomes a Christian later. Okay. But if you read his confessions, he, he talks about some of the things that he did. But his mom, for years, prayed daily, night and day, it says, that she prayed for her son who was so lost but she didn't write him off. Now she, uh -huh. he moved away. Like she wasn't near him physically, geographically, because it just wasn't, that wasn't a thing that was able, able to be done later on. She does move nearer to him. And um, he eventually finds Christ and actually becomes one of the, you know, bright and shining stars in church history. Uh, although he had some weird, some weird ideas too, but that's another podcast for another day. But the idea is Monica had, patience enough and faith enough and prayed for him for 17 years that he would come to yeah. the Lord. In fact, she is yeah. the, she is the patron saint of mothers and the patron saint of um, mothers with um, I'm going to say this exasperating children, like, <laughs> like difficult children. Right. Um, and why? Because she understood that God wouldn't write off her son. So she shouldn't either. You know, there are, again, there are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven. Now, what is a loss in the kingdom of heaven? You get to the third, the third parable of the lost sons and you find out the older son is, is at the moment at the end of the parable is still lost. God would say that's not an acceptable loss, but it's his choice, right? Because we do have free will mm -hmm. because God says in his word, he doesn't want anyone to not come to him, right? He wants all to be saved. He also has given us the opportunity and the choice to say yes or no, to reject or to accept him. In fact, this author that I've been reading, which um, we're going to get dive into some of his stuff, it's, it's Kenneth E. Bailey. He has uh, written a bunch of stuff on uh, the Eastern, kind of the, the Eastern way of looking at scripture. Uh, so he lived for most of his life, much of his life in the Middle East, and so kind of has an insight to these parables that we don't have because we're 21st century Westerners. And, and so he has some insight as to what would first century 
Middle Eastern culture look like with regard to the to these parables and to this story. And it's a it's it's a there's a book called The Cross and the Prodigal. It's a fascinating book. I highly recommend it. We'll put it in the uh, in the podcast notes um, if you want to go look it up. But in it, he suggests that a good definition for repentance is the acceptance of being found. Mm. What he means by that is is if we know if we figure out we're lost. And then God finds us and we accept his finding that is repentance because the older son in the parable of the prodigal son does not think he's lost. Right. Mm -hmm. So he isn't, he's not going to be accepting of being found because he doesn't think he's lost. Mm -hmm. And so there's going to be no repentance for him until he figures out he is in fact lost and therefore needs to be found. And I think if we couch repentance in that instead of repentance, just as I feel sorry for my sins because I got caught, Mm -hmm. which I've frustratingly experienced with people um, in my life. I've actually kind of done that in my own heart at times, right? I'm, I'm repenting air quotes uh, because I feel guilty because somebody caught me in my mischief. Right. But it's not a real repentance. I'm just. Because <laughs> had you not been caught, it would have still been. Absolutely. Absolutely. 100%. Yeah. And and what do we have to think about repentance with other people? And it puts us on a, a level, a level playing field, really. I think Jesus is trying to show here to those Pharisees. It's an invitation to them too to be found. Yeah. Yep. You know, sometimes we can give them a super bad rap and not unjustly, but they are they are lost too. I think of Nicodemus. Yeah. What do, he he went to him and said, "What do I have to do essentially to be found? Yeah. What do I have to What do I have to do to make this yep. right?" And he yep. says, "You have to be born again, right?" And the only way, you know, we, we talked about this before, Jenny, we got on, but the only way to revive is to die, yeah. right? You can't, re- you can't ri- revive something that's already viving, <laughs> you know, yep. um, you have to die. And I think that's when repentance is saying, um, I'm, I'm lost in the woods. My navigate, my game, my navi- my navigational skills are lacking. I am completely isolated and I start to think oh maybe the map I'm carrying is not correct right yeah and here comes this guy he's like I'm part of the rescue team I know the way out you could say ah no no thanks thanks but no thanks I am an experienced trekker I know which way to go on the pass I'll probably be fine in our stubbornness in our pride and our not wanting to and you know and but if, if you're ready to not be lost in the woods you will cling to that rescue guy like yes bring me back to civilization i know that's a terrible like not a whole whole metaphor but that but that kind of thought of when we're in our sins right yeah. when you are not ready to repent people pointing it out to you will will grind you like nothing it'll be like salt on your wound how dare you think i need help yep 
How dare you think I don't know what I'm doing? What are you doing? You know, blah, 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 (laughs) yada, yada, so on and so forth. And that is that, that first son mentality, right? That is, um, I don't need saving. Yeah. Perfectly fine over here on my own. Um, but when you know that you are lost, you will cling to any shred of hope. You don't care who it is, what it looks like, what package it is. Um, I, uh, I remember a story I was told about, and you probably know this about the parachute. Yes, keep Maybe. going. Probably. All right. So <laughs> two scenarios. Scenario one, um, you're getting on a little bush plane. The stewardess tells you you have to wear, it's a five-hour flight, and they want you to wear a life vest, okay. a life jacket. On a fi- now, if you've ever worn, just think of those big orange, blocky, type of thing okay and you're it's not comfortable and you're gonna sit in this little plane for five hours you're thinking what am i wearing this for we're in the sky not in water you know why am i what am i doing in this thing it's uncomfortable i'm hot i can't relax i can't really turn my body and that whole whole flight is gonna suck so eventually you're like you know what forget it you wear it maybe the first hour take it off whatever and then um, the plane crashes and you die because you didn't it, have it the- crashes in the ocean. You did, weren't wearing your protection, whatever. Or you could do it. I think it was actually a parachute. I don't know why I said a life vest. Any, either way, not comfortable. <laughs> but if you get on the plane, they said, this is the last plane out. It's our last hope. But one of our engines is out and it's a little blocky and it's the only way out. But we're going to try, Right. You are going to be holding on to that life vest, that pair, whatever, like as you're saving hope. You're, right. you're not, it doesn't matter how uncomfortable it is. It doesn't matter right. how hard it is because you know it's there to protect you should you falter. And that kind of mindset, I totally butchered that. Friends, I'm sure you've heard it. You can Google this analogy. But that kind of thing that when we think we're fine, yeah, all types of correction, um, I even think about, I just was at my doctor and they were telling me all the things I need to do to be healthy. I don't do any of those things. Terrible. <laughs> maybe, you've, maybe you're not like me. No, I'm totally like you. <laughs> you know? um, but I know if I don't want to end up like many of my family members at 50, uh, uh, almost a lot of my family die around 54 of heart problems. Mm-hmm. Which, when I was 19, 20, seemed like forever. Right. Now I'm 35. It seems a little closer. It's than a lot I would closer like. now, yes. So mm-hmm. they're saying, yeah. So they're saying, um, do these things to strengthen your heart. Yeah. I'm not saying you're not going to die at 54, but your, your chances are going to improve significantly if you start taking these measures now. Right. And I'll tell you, some of my family members have just been like, I'll just die with a donut in my hand, whatever, you know. <laughs> um, and others have, have taken a more pragmatic approach <laughs> of actually trying to get healthy. Um, it's not fun. Re- revival, in a way, sometimes isn't fun because, you know, I'm, I'm thinking about Asbury and I'm like, what? eventually the halls will go silent again. Mm-hmm. And the everybody who has experienced God, and I do believe God is is working in transforming hearts. It is going to be an uncomfortable process coming off of these things for a lot of people. Yep. 
because it is really easy to be wrapped up in the love and throes of God and with everybody around you. And it's a lot harder when you've, if you're not intentionally keeping that community up. Oh, absolutely. And there are things in order to be revived that have to die in order for the Christ to take in that thing. And it's that, are we going to hold on to sometimes that uncomfortable feeling because we know it's for our good? Mm-hmm. Or are we just going to be like, oh, whatever, that was nice. And I'm praying that doesn't happen to anybody. I, I mean, statistically. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I, yeah, I pray that this starts a movement that continues to move, right? Mm-hmm. Movements aren't movements if they stagnate. Yeah. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to leave that there and not touch it. Um, when yep. you're talking about that um you know the the when when the when this 24 hour a day thing ceases um because right now they're on the mountaintop right i think back to the transfiguration so i'm in i'm I'm in luke so i I flip back to luke it's in chapter 9 verse 28 Mm -hmm. um so jesus takes peter james and john up, up to a mountain right and he's praying and the appearance of his face changed. His clothes became white. You know, it's just amazing stuff. Two men, Moses and Elijah, comes down to the mountain with Jesus. And Peter and his companions, it's, this is actually the hilarious version because it's they were sleepy, um, fell asleep. And they when they became fully awake, they saw uh, his glory and the two men standing with him. I mean, that's just hilarious in itself. Like, mm-hmm. Moses and Elijah <laughs> come down and you're going to take a nap. Like, really, dude? But anyway, that's neither here nor there. Um, but, um, Peter says, cause Peter doesn't know what to say. He's like, I don't know what to do with this. This is like a mountaintop crazy experience. Kind of like Moses in the burning bush, right? Like, I don't know what to do with this. This, you know, I, th- I think, you know, not, not always with revival, but like, ah, this is just amazing. I don't know what to do with this. Peter says to Jesus, Hey, this is great that we're here. Can we build some like shelters and just like camp out here and mm. like be here for, you know, for yeah, a long time. Just live and stay in this in this mountaintop experience with Moses and Elijah and you, and just like chill out for for a while. And what does Jesus say? It's like, um, yeah, no, let's let's go back down the mountain and move on with our our work that we have to do. Um, and I think that that's the thing about any revival that happens, whether it's this large scale thing or a personal thing, is that you can't stay on the mountain. Yeah. You got to come back down and you got to apply what you learned, what you experienced on the mountain, but you can't stay there permanently because mm-hmm. it's, it's unsustainable for a lot of reasons. It's unsustainable. Um, but what you take from it is sustaining. Oh, good. Yeah. That, that, yeah. that must've been God. Ooh. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> what you take from revival is sustaining and can sustain right. you uh, moving forward. And so, and that's what, think about, you know, the disciples, Peter, James, and John, what do they go do? I mean, James gets martyred early. Uh, Herod oh. didn't like him too much and kills him. Um, but Peter and John, I mean, yeah, amazing things for the kingdom of God. After, I mean, this is not, this is just one mountaintop experience for Peter, James, and John. I mean, the other ones didn't happen on an actual mountain, but they had other experiences where they interacted with 
Jesus in a way that was superfluous, a way that was more, a way that was, you know, even the even Pentecost, right? When when the Holy Spirit comes down and tongues of flames go on their head, I mean, that had to have been a quote unquote mountaintop experience, right? Just but at the same time, they had to come, if you will, down from that, right? And they come out to the crowds and they talk to the crowds. Um, and actually there was revival, quote unquote, in Jerusalem, right? They yeah, I'm heard think, all the language. I'm thinking about Go the ahead. blind man, right? The blind man at the temple. Jay, uh, I want oh, to say Acts. it's James and John. Or it was, right. it was John and Peter, I think. Yes. I think James Sorry, has already passed away by then. Yeah, and, and they're going to the temple. They're going to go do their thing at the temple. And they see the blind man. And uh, and he asked them for money. And he says, you know, famous, I have silver and gold I don't have. But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ, get up and walk. Um, and a lot of times when I hear that, it kind of, it ends there. The man goes and rejoices. But I actually love the part that comes after. When, when, the, when the crowds are astounded and Peter says, why why are you surprised right we've been coming here <laughs> telling you about the power and goodness of jesus um yep here it is yeah and he's not and he's not saying oh look at you know it was just kind of a thing you know every on every day too you know wednesday <laughs> kind of a thing right and he's like why are you don't don't be surprised. Jesus is the one. It, it this is what this is what we're doing. This is part of it. You know, the getting up and and an out like you said, the outflowing of that personal or that revival that they had had with them, and it was getting hard for them, really hard for them at this time. Mm -hmm. But they were still going out. They were still meeting the needs of that people didn't even know that they had. In the case with this blind man, and um, just just good. And just saying. Yeah, this is the kingdom of heaven stuff. Like, yeah. I mean, although if I was in the crowd, I would have been like, "What's happening?" You know. Right. <laughs> He's like, "Don't, don't be surprised. This is, this is the promise that we've been giving you." Right. You know, and I'm when I'm thinking about Asbury, I'm a skeptic by nature. We, I, that's what's something that we have in common. Absolutely. And I'm a little bit like when I first heard, I was like, "Oh yeah, that's nice. Okay." Because I've been in prayer meetings that lasted a night through. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Me too. And I know what that is. But then I've also been on a Monday morning of that and everybody. Right. You're like, oh, okay. I guess that wasn't a thing. Cool. All right. Whatever. Or, I mean, or you just nice. go back to what you knew before because mm -hmm. you, you weren't, in fact, deeply changed necessarily. Yeah. That is a step in the right direction. And I'm oh, not poo-pooing on those things at all. And, I, and I'm not saying that that's what's happening at Asbury, but it is what happens in the after that is going to be, it's going to be the make or break. Yeah. yeah. Is, is the revival sustaining, not sustainable, but is it sustaining? Does it, does it keep you on the right, like on the, on the narrow path? Does it mm -hmm. deepen the relationship with Jesus? Does it broaden the kingdom, broaden and deepen the kingdom? amongst not only yourself but right. your community of faith right and, yeah. and i'll and i'll tell you a personal thing when i heard about it you know my we talked a little bit this is gonna be vulnerable i you know i've been feeling a little going through the motions a little pharisaical in my in my walk just doing the things that i'm supposed to do and not necessarily enjoying the people around that i'm doing it <laughs> 
Just being vulnerable um, here, friends. Just being, being, vulnerable. being vulnerable. You know, just getting weighed down by the by the stuff and the deadlines and the you know, need, you know, and I got small children too, but sometimes it feels like people just clawing at you, you know, just yeah, pulling you in every direction. And I'm just like, ah, leave me alone. And no one need me for 10 days or whatever. I don't know. But, uh, but I just prayed, Lord, you know, renew me. And, and, and on our Sunday, last Sunday, he did, we had a, about a 40 minute prayer meeting where we all just prayed for one another and got vulnerable and said, what do we need? And we're a fairly new, new congregation, about three years old. Yeah. You know, but I was starting to see some of this pattern stuff slip in mm. or a little bit of the, the tendency to just start um, to continue doing what we're doing just because that's what we were doing. Mm. Yeah. And, um, and God hopefully pulling us another way. And I, and I, I'll tell you when, when I gave that over to God, he did give me those eyes back. Yeah. Um, and so far it's Wednesday again. So, I mean, I'm sticking, I'm sticking with it. Um, but I'm seeing the, the after effects of that, which is cool. And, and revival, I think it just starts with knowing your role, right. Knowing who, where you are in the kingdom of heaven, but knowing, I love that thing you said about, there is no acceptable casualties, right? Nobody doesn't matter. Right. I actually think that goes way back to our first episode on Hagar, actually. First, second, yeah. Yeah. yeah absolutely. God sees Hagar. God sees yeah. her. Yep. Nobody, there is no one who doesn't matter. Yep. No life, no soul, no input, no whatever. If it's if it's given over to him. Yep. Well, and that's, that's again, one. back to your, back to your comment about the, the you know, kind of the roots of the Salvation Army is we tend to have folks in our congregations, um, not that other churches don't, but we tend to have a, a, a goodly amount of people that in other realms of their life, that the world has kind of cast to the sidelines. And, and the fact is that God cares and loves those folks too. Um yeah. It does not matter what your background is. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter um, where you came from. God loves you, them, us. It's not an us and them in, unless you do it in some sort of weird kingdom of God way. But God desires all to be saved. Now, not all will choose to find God or, or be acceptedly found by God. Does that make like, as we go back to the, you got to know you're lost, right? You're got to accept that you're lost. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I just, there's no acceptable losses. And, and this is where revival is so vital to the church at large, like church with a big C is that we need to be reminded of that fact. We need to be reminded that there's a world out there that maybe we have, neglected and ignored for too long because it's just yeah. easier it's easier to worry about us who's in our building who's in my group who's in my church who's in my small group who's in my my sphere as opposed to there's a whole world out there of people that you see at the grocery store at the library at the mm. gym at school at work 
who might not have a clue about the kingdom of God. And maybe God asks you to be the bridge that tells them. Mm-hmm. We're going to keep working in, I think it's you know, looking at the clock. Um, we're going to wrap this up, but we're going to keep looking at Luke 15. We're going to keep looking at, as there's there's a lot in Luke 15, friends. Uh, I want you to read it. If you, if you haven't, if you have a Bible, Bible app, go look up Luke 15, read through it a couple times. Um, think about, you know, what, what is this relationship thing? I mean, the Pharisees had issues with Jesus, um, but Jesus tells these parables in, in, re, in response to, to the Pharisees accusation. Um, and what does that look like for us? And what does it look like for revival in your heart, revival in your uh, sphere? Because the Holy Spirit's moving. He's right. been moving. This isn't, you know, it's not like the Holy Spirit suddenly woke up and is like, oh, I suppose I should get out there and do something today. No, the Holy Spirit's <laughs> been working uh, every day through the through the history of uh, of the Christian Church, um, but he's he's moving certainly in a in a fantastic way down there at Asbury and and across the the country in various uh, mm-hmm. places. So so yeah, or maybe you're in a place where you're like, am I lost? Do I need to be found? Is that a is that a real like situation I might find myself in? Well, maybe maybe you're lost. And hey, I don't know where you're at. Uh, feel free to reach out to us if you do need to want to talk about any of these things. Um, you know, we're accessible. Uh, if you want to, you know, make a comment or if you don't know how to reach us, you can you know write a comment and leave your email or whatever. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah. Some of you guys know us. So, hey, if you know us, you know how to get a hold of us. So make that happen. Um, But yeah, we just, God is so good and he is doing amazing things. And I think if we take notice, that is when we can be changed. Yeah. And I, and I just think back my last thing, uh, people, sometimes revival can seem like such a big word and a somewhat scary word. And there's a lot of connotations to that. Yeah. Um, like I, I, I kind of laugh when people plan revivals. Anyway, that's a whole different <laughs> conversation. Yeah. Um, but if it really is just a, a second wind in a fight, a renewing of strength, you know, I think that's just a better way to think of it. That it's, it's, this is, this is God's fight. He's renewing us to get back in there. Right. To just, you know, yeah. our second wind. And I, I don't know, I, I could use it. Yeah. No, not just you. you. Know? Yeah. And our, and, and it reminds me, the world is so dark and it has been just, like you said, the news has just been hard. But God is not abandoning his world. No. Nope. And so what a hope filled time that we live in. Yep. And um, and just exciting to to see it in our time. So, Amen. just be blessed, friends. Yes, we, me and Jenny, we, we um, we just really care. And feel free to reach out to us. We won't be, you know, we won't be weird about it. Well, maybe we'll be but, we'll be our our weird selves, but it won't be weird. weird <laughs> it won't be unusually weird. It'll just be the normal yes. that we are every day. And of course. 
um, everything, you know, would be confidential. So just uh, giving that caveat as our role of pastors. Yeah. No, it's good stuff. Whew. Man, we could talk for a good long while and we have and we will and we'll continue to to tackle these things in the next few weeks. Um, we're also going to have guests on some more too. So if that is something that you enjoy, uh, well, good, because we're going to keep doing that too. But I guess I want to recap the two two things that kind of came out from this episode that we really want to hammer home. One, there are no acceptable losses in the kingdom of heaven. So please don't think yourself above others when you're, when you're dealing with people um, who are out there in the world or even in your own congregations. Um, there are no acceptable losses. God doesn't say to any one of those sheep, oh, he's an acceptable loss. We'll just let him toil out there and die. That's, that's not God's agenda. And then number two, revivals are not sustainable long-term, but they are sustaining. And again, both of those things were not from me. Like I said them, but the Holy spirit said them, right? Like I wish I were that smart. Um, but, uh, God does use us. Um, if we allow him to, if we surrender and, uh, submit to him. So, all right, friends, remember that God blesses us. Why? So we can be blessings to others. We'll catch you guys next time.